Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Bliss Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to uh, episode 439 of the Gridiron Blitz. Uh, in the house today, we're going to have a big show, two hours jam-packed. We're going to have the president of the WNFC, Elizabeth Tillo Jenkins, talking everything that's happening for the 2023 season, uh, the scheduling, the divisions, uh, the streaming, uh, sponsorships, everything uh, that's going to be happening here on April 1st, coming up here in about 11 days or so for the WNFC. We're also going to dive into Russ Crawford, the uh, author of Women's American Football, Breaking Barriers on and Off the, uh, the Gridiron. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it uh, pretty much in any book. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, women's history. Uh, if you guys were at the Hub, you get the chance to see the uh, nice documentary, the Hur- uh, Hurricanes, the Houston Hurricanes at the Southwest uh, Festival. They got uh, one of the honors there as well. And we're going to be talking, obviously, Toledo Troopers uh, and, and some of the uh, things that uh, are in his book, including the WFA uh, timeline and the WNFC as it currently stands right now. So pretty awesome. And then in the second hour, we're going to get to Mark Simone, the a.k.a. the backseat coach, Terry, Coach Terry Lister coming in the house, the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, Nate Ward as well. And we're going to dive into the European scene, LNA Feminina uh, playoffs. We're also going to dive in, if you're at the Hub, uh, congratulations to the Celticas over in Honduras for their national championship. Uh, You get the uh, highlights, still photos, and everything right there at the Hub uh, from the Central America championship that happened this past weekend. You're also going to get highlights from the Texas Valley Sports right there as well. So everything that's happening in the sport from the best network on the planet, that is us, and the passionate folks that bring you everything that happens in terms of links, uh, photos, and everything else that's women's American football. So thank you to everybody that networks with us, uh, amazing individuals that are bringing attention to this sport and awareness to the sport. So appreciate you guys contributing to the Hub. And you can go to the Hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Almost 10K strong. Uh, we need about another 100 followers. So if you can invite your friends and everybody else, it takes us over the 10K mark. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on uh, Apple, iHeart, and Spotify uh, for the weekly podcast. And if you are inclined to leave a cool five-star review on any of your favorite platforms, it really helps us with our algorithm to bring attention to the sport, to the WFA, to bring attention to the WNFC in general through our media and our broadcasting efforts. It's going to be a great season, 2023. Can't wait. And then on top of the U.S. scene, we got Lexwell in Mexico, we got LaFi in Mexico, we got in the U.K. NWFL, in Finland, Sweden, Germany, you name it, Czech Republic, Austria, the best network on the planet, it is us. So stay in tune every day and weekly at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Granite Beauties. All right, guys, we're going to talk XFL uh, week five scores and recap. Shout out to Abram Smith who ran for 217 yards, three touchdowns as the D.C. defenders remain undefeated 5-0. The Dragons stun 
the Houston Roughnecks, as they get defeated for the first time this season and in, in a long time for the Houston uh, uh, Roughnecks. So it was an interesting weekend in terms of week five. So uh, XFL week five concluded Sunday night with the San Antonio Brahmas hosting the Arlington Renegades. The week kicked off on Thursday night with a thriller, uh, the red, uh, red hot Seattle Sea Dragons knocked off the previously undefeated Houston Roughnecks 21-14. to On Saturday, D.C. defenders outlasted their rivals, St. Louis Battlehawks, 28-20, to while uh, Jen Welter and Rod Woodson of the Vegas Vipers defeated the Orlando Guardians in a 35-32 uh, defensive battle. So shout-out to Jen Welter for the victory in Vegas. Uh, D.C. remains the XFL's only undefeated team, while Orlando is the only winless squad so far. The Renegades and Brahmas engaged in a fun back-and-forth defensive battle that served as a fitting way to cap off the week. Uh, Arlington came in searching for its third uh, win of the season and to remain in the thick of the XFL South race. San Antonio was seeking its second win and to avoid falling out of the contention by midseason. San Antonio made some changes during the week to try to find a spark. Sunday marked the first game for running backs coach Jimmy Johnson in his new role as offensive coordinator. It was also marked the first start for quarterbacks Reed Sinnott, who replaced Jack Cohen. Uh, though Arlington jumped out to a 3-0 lead, San Antonio quickly gained the momentum with a turnover. Uh, Teddy Adiusi picked up uh, Kyle Sloter, and Sinnott could capitalize on the short field with a six-yard touchdown strike to T.J. Vassar. The pick marked uh, Slaughter's fifth in four appearances. And if you're following on Twitter, we've got a couple of uh, great accounts that you can follow on Twitter, at by Anthony Miller. You can check him out every week, just uh, bring you to the lowdown on what's happening in the XFL, hashtag XFL, hashtag XFL 2023, so you can get uh, Anthony's uh, take right there. Uh, Arlington responded with a positive drive. It stalled near the goal line, resulted in Taylor Russellino's second field goal of the game. Two teams traded punts following Arlington's second score, and Cohen returned to the Brahmas offense just before the two-minute warning. He led uh, San Antonio to a three-and-out and um, pretty much a quarterback switch for them. And they've had problems scoring even from week one when they had that collapse against uh, St. Louis in the second half. So Cohen's second drive of the half went better, and San Antonio added to its lead with uh, Parker Romo field goal just before intermission. The Brahmas had the lead the momentum, and the backing up of the good crowd. So it's a, it's a great environment in San Antonio. Unfortunately, they just haven't got the win. So that really just says a lot about that program right there in general. But you can get all the Twitter effects that happen. Like I said, you can follow uh, at by Anthony Miller, get all the lowdown that's happening in the sport in terms of, uh, you know, what happened on the, on the first game of, of the week, which is usually on a Thursday night week. So, but uh, it was really, really awesome. Uh, Sunday was more impressive. Of course, you had um, the reactions uh, on week on Sunday, which is the defenders taking care of business. What an amazing score. Uh, like I said, uh, Abram Smith runs uh, runs for that amount of, of uh, yards, and it was a really good really good matchup in general. Uh, if you were on Twitter like I was, you were kind of at the edge of your seat as well. So it was really, really awesome to see. Um, so they go 5-0. and Sea Dragons stun the Roughnecks in week five of the uh, XFL. 
Uh, looking forward to the, see what the playoffs are going to look like here. But overall, uh, let me get the reaction here. I had my notes, uh, Battlehawks. So we'll go through that game. Uh, 28-20 uh, was for the defenders as they continue to road a hot offense to the win and now solidify themselves as the team to beat in the north as they extend their lead on top of the division. Uh, after a scoreless first quarter, the defenders exploded for 14 points in the second and never looked back. So scoring a touchdown on each of the final two quarters to keep St. Louis at bay. Like I said, Abram Smith was unquestionably the team's best player as he finished with a hat-trick of touchdowns. The XFL's leading rusher had two scores and went for over 65 yards in a dominant performance as well. You saw it on Twitter, 218 yards, 9.5 yards per carry, three touchdowns. Uh, So he's a beast all throughout the game. Defender uh, defense also did their job as they forced St. Louis into two turnovers, including an interception with 55 seconds left to seal the game for D.C. The schedule won't get any easier as the Houston Renegades, who are the top team in the South Division, will come to town at this point. So um, interesting to see how they're going to keep up with um, that division. Uh, Clash of Roughnecks versus maybe Defenders is what we're looking at for the XFL championship. I'm assuming maybe it would go that route. Uh, Vegas Vipers defeated uh, Guardians. The Guardians haven't played, uh, hadn't played so bad the last two weeks, but they did play horribly the first couple weeks. Uh, for a battle between two winless teams, this was a pretty good game. Ultimately, it was the Vipers who managed to, to finally get themselves a win on the win column thanks to a great performance by Luis Perez. Perez had perhaps his best game of the season as far as he threw for 269 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions, which is key as he struggled with turnovers at times this year, and we saw it in the first two games as well. He was able to outlast Orlando's Quinton Dormandy, who had a good game in his own right as he passed for 256 yards, two scores, and a fumble after stepping in for starter Paxton Lynch. Dormandy even led two long scoring drives in the fourth quarter to cut the Vipers' lead, but ultimately it wasn't enough. Uh, so you can check out our inter- the interview with Luis Perez, uh, right there at James Larson PFN as well at James Larson PFN as well. So uh, it was a really good, impressive game by Luis Perez, uh, 20 of 25 for 269, three touchdowns. So that's really impressive for him uh, on the day, and it gave the the Vipers some life. So both teams will face a much different competition next week as the Vipers will welcome the St. Louis BattleHawks coming down off that tough loss against the Defenders. And then the Guardians host the red-hot Seattle Sea Dragons and their new dynamic offense. So interesting how, you know, the uh, how the XFL is playing in that regard. So uh, it's just uh, impressive to see how uh, this is going to turn about in terms of the, uh, the scene, in terms of the XFL. Uh, on week six coming up here, it's going to be interesting to see if the Sea Dragons keep their uh, winning streak alive here. They've done a good job so far. Uh, they've been able to kind of muster that together. Orlando struggling. Even with the Vegas win, Vegas did a really good job. But even with the Vegas win, they got to come up uh, to another level if they want to stay in somehow of, uh, some contention there. So a uh, tough loss for Houston and a really, uh, really tougher loss for St. Louis in a lot of ways. And uh, But, you know, hats off to the defenders. They've had a great, great uh, start so far. And they've proven it through five weeks of the uh, the season. So it's really impressive to see 
how they're uh, you know, they're battling and keeping it together in terms of, in terms of the, the schemes on there. Um, if you guys go to the hub, we got a lot of stuff going on at the hub. Um, if you go to the hub, like I said, I mentioned earlier today, uh, highlights of the 2023 Honduras Women's National Championship. That was the Celtos AFC Honduras uh, taking on uh, the team. I believe is I want to say it right. So their win, their win was uh, Celtus, and I wrote down the name of the uh, Blitz, Blitz Craig, if I'm correct, is the name of the the rival, uh, the team that lost. So check it out there. And then if you're inclined, check it out. We got some cool photos by some talented photographers. Uh, shout out to Carlo Campi Photography out of Los Angeles for that awesome photo of Ambra Marcucci, uh, and she's uh, looks amazing there. Thanks to Carlos Campi for uh, taking that photo there. The also, you also have the talented Ashley uh, Ziegler from the uh, Pittsburgh Passion right there as the Pittsburgh Passion get ready for their 2023 season, April 22nd, and uh, the return of the Passion to that tough East Coast division, and it's an impressive uh, year, first year. Now they're looking for the hashtag for Franco, trying to see if they can go to Canton and make that impact in Canton. So we'll see how that turns out. We're going to go into the Zazzle huddle. Uh, you guys can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Get the, anything there, gifts or anything that you like from our Zazzle shop. Uh, on top of that, you can also get Disney Marvel at Zazzle. So you go to Zazzle.com, Gridiron Beauties. Go to the Zazzle shop right there. Uh, use the code uh, Zazzle. Thanks for 15% off. You can actually use a higher code if it's available, sometimes up to 25% off. Worldwide shipping as well, so you can get it pretty much anywhere in the world. Uh, thanks to Zazzle and their team at Zazzle for sponsoring our podcast. So we're going to go into the huddle, and we're going to be talking to the talented and amazing WNFC president, also gold medalist and champion, and that will be Elizabeth Jenkins um, right now. Let's bring her on. Elizabeth, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Oscar? You're doing great, Liz. I know you're busy, so thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's been a while since I've been on to talk, so I'm excited when you reached out. I was excited when you reached out, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. All right, so well, let's go. Let's go with the hot take first. When will the, the Spartans lose their first game? That's everybody on their mind. Yeah. you're no longer the center. <laughs> Oh, good, um, good lead-in, good lead-in. Thanks for setting me up for that one. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's shaping up to be a very, very, very competitive 2023 in the WNFC, um, especially the Central Division, right? So we are very excited about the, you know, about that of all the the competition increasing in the league overall. Um, but obviously, you know, the 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 Central Division. Um, um, stepping their game up and, and, and really there's been some power moves, right? And, um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I don't know which team it's going to be. I'm not going to say it. Um, but if there was a, a year that, uh, the Texas elite were to sustain a loss in the regular season, I believe 2023, um, is the, is, 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 is shaping up for that to be a possibility. All right. So Liz, everybody steal, uh, stole your playbook. You're no longer a secret. Everybody's chipping in players from overseas, international, whatever it takes to get the edge. They're, uh, apparently, yeah. they're no, no longer scared of you guys. So they're just doing whatever they got to do. House people, they got to step up their game up, right? 
Uh, so you got yep. your target on the back. So we got Denver doing it. You got Mississippi started it last year. Uh, pretty much everybody's doing it in the league. So um, it's it's kind of exciting in that way too, right? Because you're 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 getting not just homegrown local talent, but you're bringing in international, uh, you know, players that are really hungry to kind of shine. Super exciting. Super exciting. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that we set out to do whenever we, you know, started the league and was to create the, the most competitive and um, professional women's tackle football league that's out there. And the, the proof is in the pudding, right? Like the, the top talent is coming to the WNFC and they're coming from all over, domestic and international, right? Um, we are absorbing the, the top players in the game and we could not be more thrilled by it. Um, when I tell you, like, you know, it, it, it's weird when you wear this hat of being, right, um, on a team or associated with a team, but also president of the league. I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, the, the parody, and I'm looking forward to the competition, and I'm looking forward to the Spartans taking a loss, right? And I'm looking forward to see seeing who's going to be those teams that really and, – and a lot of these that they're bringing in, right, this is just year one for them, right? Then they're going to – then they got to, yeah. you know, they get to – they get to keep maturing, right? They get to keep bringing those players back and building that culture and, and really putting together some long-term powerhouse teams and, and, and a better, even, you know, more so than just powerhouse, but professional organizations, which is one of the things that we are, you know, frankly, we just we don't uh, compromise on, right, is your ability to put on a professional product and, and conduct yourselves and, and walk the walk and talk the talk and, and look the part, right? Um, now, so it's, uh, it's you're going to get a compliment from me, from our fans. Our fans on our page, okay, are now confusing you with the XFL. So where can we go see these games? That's the message wow. that I'm getting. Okay? Wow. Because, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? It's like, because, you know, the, the uniforms yeah. look very yeah. pro. Upgraded, no different than the XFL unis with the Under Armour stuff, right? So there's yeah. excitement because yeah. people are starting to see, you know, all the teams – I think it's very impressive that all the teams in the league are kind of seamlessly doing their photo shoots almost similar in a lot of ways, and it's staying consistent, right? Very crisp, very very uh, uh, social media, uh, you know, impactful. Be careful, Oscar. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna give away the secret no, sauce, saying, right? In like general, the, the, I'm, I'm yeah. just getting feedback. You know what our followers are looking at, what what their reactions are. You know, I don't know what you guys how how much what reactions you get on your official pages, but on our page, you know what I mean. So people are starting to realize, yeah. you know, that this is a pro league, right, legit, and then they start yeah. to realize that this is an actual, you know, uh, organizational product no different than a USFL or an XFL, right? So, you know, yeah, we don't have the sponsors that they do or the TV viewership, right, as an, as an example, but, you know, the, the, the media image is what I'm getting at, right? The media image yeah, is, is yeah. kind of like yeah. there, similar think, to what the men get. Yeah, I think to take it back a step, right, like when you talk about the sponsorship, right, uh, we've done an amazing job of solidifying some big-name sponsors for the WNFC, right? Obviously, Adidas coming in with a mm -hmm. year one and then re-upping last year for another three-year, you know, um, and then, you know, Riddell, they're a key partner of ours. And then um, last year, we brought on Dick Sporting Goods, who is eager to even continue to build on that partnership and that sponsorship, Right. I think the key difference, Oscar, in the XFL and the USFL, like being point blank um, up front, it's not sponsorship. It's funding, 
right? These, yeah. these leagues yep. are being invested in. These leagues have, you know, owners who are millionaires or investors or owners who have connections to people who have a lot of money, right? Like the reality is those doors are opening for those leagues and they have not yet opened for women's professional football. And, you know, we keep taking all the nose on the chin and we will not stop. You know, we are, we're, we're raising our seed round of funding. We hope to get an initial seed round of 2 million so we can really show what we could do if this business was funded um, and, mm-hmm. and be able to scale the business, right, and, and continue to, um, you know, drive our revenue models and, and, and bring in um, even more eyeballs, right? Like, you want to talk mm-hmm. about content, right? Content is the biggest piece of marketing that we can have, right? Well, we're doing all of this on a next-to-nothing marketing budget, right? Imagine if we had funding. Imagine if we had a half-a-million-dollar marketing budget a year, you know, where we could go, we could go from twenty thousand followers to twenty million followers. So we yeah, I mean, stop, and you, you would know, have the ad, you would have the ad revenue. Uh, to your point, right? We'd have the ad revenue Amen. to really, uh, yes, you know, spread out in a web. Yes, sir. Yeah, of course. Yep. So, so, so we don't have that, but you guys are doing a tremendous job, and I think every franchise in the in the league has has made that effort, right? Um, so yep. I, I don't want to go on a negative yet, but. So we lose Alabama, we lost Carolina Queens, we lost Nebraska Nighthawks. So every season, you know, teams get evaluated in the WNFC. So, you know, the question is, you know, you know, do you fit the league or you don't, which is basically a business model reality because in the past we've had the recreational model while everybody's welcome to play. Here it's kind of got a little different in, in a way where it's more business-minded. So if, if you're, you know, not in tune to come in and do a business-minded type of approach, to grow the brand and grow the the league in itself, then it just makes a lot of sense. So I think that's where, uh, you know, a lot of the questions came from us, uh, from our fans, as to why, you know, certain uh, certain teams were obviously not a certain season in the WNFC. And that's my my answer to them. But, I mean, you might have a similar answer. It's a very similar answer. It's actually, you know, you hit the nail on the head, right? They're they're where we don't ask, you know, our teams to pay us a – a league fee to play in our league, right? But we do. We're, we're past the days of having anybody being just anybody, right? That wants to be an owner of a franchise. You have you have to have resources, whether that you have the financial means to support your, you know, the the operations of a professional franchise, or you don't. Now I'm not saying professional as in pay to play, but I'm saying professional enough that you can fill the gap to where you're not strictly having an operating budget solely reliant on player fees, right? And if, and if your yeah. team does fall short in fundraising or other areas, do you have the means as the ownership group to fill in the gaps, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have the network um, to where you can obtain sponsorships? Do you have a team, not just a one-man show, right? One of the things we pushed and pushed and pushed year after year is building your operations staff. This is more than just I'm the owner, head coach, and it doesn't work that way right? You have to have an admin team. You have to have somebody running your social media. You have to have somebody curating content. You need a media team. You need a general manager. You need game day operations mm-hmm. because otherwise, you know, you're, 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 you're ultimately going to fail if you continue to try to do these things by yourself um, because it's not possible. It's just not possible because the sport isn't yet funded, right? And even if it was, one person can't do the job of running a professional football team, no, no. right? It's not reality. So, it's not reality. That's just bottom line. Right. It's not reality. And so, right. you know, right. if you go into a so business model, 
Yeah, it's not reality. I mean, the, even the WNBA with its, you know, NBA backing, right, you still have to have, like you said, the logistics in place. You must have logistics. If you don't, then you, you just, what are we doing, right? Why are we even doing it yeah, and, if you don't have the yeah, logistics? And you're absolutely right. And, and the answer isn't get funding so we can pay our players. The answer is drive revenue so we can first get rid of the potato play barrier to where our teams actually become revenue-generating, profitable franchises to where they don't have to rely on player fees. Will they still have to do fundraising? Absolutely. I don't care what level you're at. I mean, the WNBA up until I don't know how many years ago, those those athletes still had to sell tickets, right? Like there was certain things Mm -hmm. written into their contracts. Athletes Unlimited, yeah, it's written into their contract. They need to be selling tickets, right, Like, or and or doing certain things to drive fans in, right? So the, 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 it's not going to comp- – we're not anywhere close to being, you know, to what the professional guys get paid, which is they just get to go out there and train and be the best athlete they can be and have zero other responsibility. That's not it at all, right? You still have your, yeah. your – that responsibility is going to be there. But we feel like we have a plan to, to get there the right way. And it's not failing us, right? The plan is working. Um, so we're going to keep working it. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, the benefit the benefit is uh, I think the players need to buy into it, like you said, because that's what happened with the WNBA. That's what happened with players at, at Unlimited. At some point, they all have to buy in, even with the, the National Hockey Women's League. They've all had to buy in, right? They, they've had to Absolutely. become partner, partners within the league for it to both parties be successful. You know, you got to have that partnership. So the players need to understand that, you know, it's not going to be overnight because that's not going to happen. That's just reality. Not, it's going to be overnight. Not going to happen. So taking the role that you you have now, taking the role that you have now, I mean, taking the role that you have now uh, in terms of, you know, coming off the field, right? I I know you're still coaching in some capacity with the team, but coming off the field Mm -hmm. now, um, is it more? Is it tougher on your end in terms of generating business and acquiring interest than it was maybe a you know, training and working out on the field? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. It's a very good question. So I um, up until last April, I was a full time employee, right? I had a career at Charles Schwab. Um, I, that was my nine to five, or you know whatever that those hours ended up being. Um, and I resigned from Schwab last April to work the WNFC full-time, right? So because WNFC isn't yet funded, nobody's getting paid to do any of the work that they're doing. So we still have to make money in order to live, right, as, as, as league owners. Um, the league is not yet funded. So, you know, Odessa started her career at M-Train at President. We took on a, a heftier workload and demand, and, and really the WNFC needed my full attention, Um so I, that's what I've been doing nonstop now as far as the team is concerned. Coming off the field, um, I've, I've become a lot more active, obviously, in the coaching role, um, getting the, the offensive line to a place where they're going to continue to be the best offensive line um, on the planet without having me in there at center. And not that I'm, you know, I'm not um, bragging on my abilities by any means, but it is a big change, right? Um, I, mm-hmm. I played for almost 20 years, right? I had a lot of experience and um, you know, it's a veteran O-line still, and, and the center that's coming in to replace me is more than capable to pick up where I left off. So um, as far as the team's concerned, you know, I, I'd like to say I've been able to do more on the administrative side, right, and really kind of keep um, working to make the 
player experience here on the elite, the best possible player experience, and give them a professional um, experience when they play for the squad. But I've also taken a lot of time and poured that into the other GMs across the league. So I started hosting monthly workshops, and it was literally just basically taking everything that I knew and how to run a team, right, and every, all the resources that I know that are available to us as WNFC team owners and putting all of that on paper and like a guide and then sharing it and hosting workshops to really truly pour into our other team's operations and continue to encourage their growth in a multitude of ways, right? So, yes, um, do I have more time? No. <laughs> I feel like I have less time. Um, it's crazy to say that. I don't know how I worked a full-time job before I uh, resigned and did all of this, but it's it's just different now, right? I, I know I still have a huge responsibility to the game. It's just um, in a different way now. Now, you, you also have responsibility, like I said, of the, of the clubs. So the shrinking of the clubs, is that something in the foreseeable future as a must-need if, if needed? Because I know – you know, everybody starts, oh, we're going to have 30 teams or 20 teams or whatever. But, I mean, you're, you, you guys are in actual strategic markets. Like Dallas is a big market. You know, L.A. is a big market. You know, you guys are in key markets. So is that something to consider in the future, like maybe a scale back of a couple teams if they're not going to be, you know, viable to, to retain as you've done in the last two seasons? Yeah, you know, I think it, every year we analyze, right? Every year we're going to take a look at, kind of the, the, the bottom performing franchises in a number of ways, right? Were you able to produce on the field? Were you able to produce off the field? You know, what is your, you know, branding and marketing and, and all of those pieces? Like, are you still bringing value? And, and frankly, are you still mm, able to continue to provide the, the experience that we are basically demanding of teams, right? Like, this year we mm-hmm. added coaching certifications, right? So Coach Velochko in our coaching development office, she came in and said, okay, every coach needs to get CPR and AED certified, and every coach that's on your roster, and you all need to have heat prevention training and concuss- or heat illness and concuss- concussion, you know, all of this stuff that we all had to do now as coaches, right? Um, and then we can't, we hit them on the admin side. Listen, you know, we need to, we're, we've got national tryout day. We've got national signing day. We've got recruiting months. We've got media days. Like there's things now that we're, we're going to continue to keep asking these teams to, to really push it. Right. Um, and this is not a hobby. They can't see it as a hobby. If they, if there's any teams out there that are viewing this or, or running this business like a hobby, it's, the proof is going to be in the pudding, right. On whether they're a fit or not, or continue to be, um, so I think I think time will tell. Um, we do know that other leagues that are out there that are funded that are funded. Let me put those keywords in there. Are operating on a much smaller model, right? The XFL mm-hmm. only has eight teams. Now, yep. where where we're um, a little bit different is the second we go down to eight teams, we're going to really start to put a whatever we might be relieving in a budget standpoint. I think we're going to. Um, or, you know, whatever strides we are making in revenue generation, we might take a hit on budget for travel, sure. right? So sure. that's something that we have to consider. It's kind of a balancing act. There's definitely linchpins that are important, although they might not be critical markets. They might be a market that just makes the operations of the league a little bit easier. Okay. Um, Liz, the one question that everybody has on, on their mind, 
We didn't see a blast of, like, where the games are going to be streamed at this point. I know we, we talked about it internally before, a messaging back yep. and forth. So is there yep. a, a plan for a streaming uh, function this year, this year, like you had Vire last year, or is it something still pending? Yeah, absolutely. So great question. Um, and in and, and a very short couple of days, um, everybody's going to publicly see what we've been working on so hard over the last couple of months. Um, you know, like, the, you know, this has been some tough times on, on businesses, right? And Vire, we knew they were mm-hmm. a small startup business. Um, and Vire, unfortunately, lost their funding. So, you know, Vire was not able to contractually keep up their end of the bargain, um, which means we had to pivot, right? Um, mm-hmm. And knowing that we wanted to still be able to provide um, complete live stream of all of our games and quality live stream at that, um, we decided we were going to bet on ourselves and the, all of the 16 team owners that we're in. Um, so the 16 team owners are working with WNFC uh, production crew, um, basically production director, on what mini requirements will look like. We're negotiating budgets with um, live, you know, live local live stream crews. Um, and we will be live streaming every single game. Um, it will be behind a paywall this year. So we're going to take the bet on us. And, um, you know, every, every uh, sports game that you go to watch out there, whether it be WNBA, NBA, NFL, it's behind a paywall of some sort, right? You either have mm-hmm. to have NFL Network or YouTube TV or a local TV cable package, right, to see those games. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we were – we started to realize that the, the – the, content is in demand, right, based on the viewership and how well we did with Vire on on views of our streams, we said, okay, we're going to take this chance and we're going to go out here and do this. So we are now using our live game content as a revenue generating source um, that will then, you know, obviously there's going to be the split to go back to the team to satisfy the cost of their live stream production, right, because the teams are owning that this year. We did not ask them to own that last year. We took care of that um, as a part of kind of the proceeds of the buyer contract. Um, But with us not having that, you know, we said, okay, well, what are we going to do? And everybody was in agreement that we weren't going to take a step back. So the answer is yes. Um, You will soon see WScore released um, and all of the details around that and how everybody can subscribe and tune in for the 23 season. That sounds awesome. And I think that's going to be the the way to go anyways, because that's, like you said, every sport does it. So it's not like a surprise yep. that that yep. you've got to have a, a league that's going to ask for uh, some sort of, a, you know, a, you know, a cost to view the the content. Correct. Because that happens yep. in in every sport, even uh, even the lower graded sports. It's just a, it's just the way it's got to be. It's just no other option yeah. for it. Um, it became my reality point, last year. Because yeah. my son, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Texas and my son's in Ohio, and although I wanted to mm-hmm. try to get home for as many games as possible, the reality was I couldn't. So if I wanted to watch his games, his high school did live stream the game, but I had to go and purchase my ticket to watch it online, and it was 10 bucks, right? So if I wanted to go watch one game on a Friday night, it would be just like I was paying my ticket to get in the game, but I was able to see it live streamed. So I was like, you know, they're, they're doing this for high school games too. Like we're, it's crazy for us to not, not – um, you know, be able to to really capitalize on 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 live stream content. Yeah, I think the requirement is really just uh, to your point. It's just going to be a lot of more marketing and a couple more dollars in terms of ad enthusiasm, right? To get it yes, to sir. people to get excited about it. No different than the, the than the than the NBA does 
on a weekly basis or yep. MLB, or, you know, or that kind of deal. So it's the same concept. So oh, awesome. All right. Yep. So tell us a little bit about um, this Arlington, uh, Texas Elite uh, event that's coming up on the 26th, right? It's a, a her game yes. day event. Yes. Very exciting, very, very, very cool of the Arlington Renegades to to really, truly bring in. They were uh, – one of our um, coaches is a season ticket holder, and I, as a season ticket holder of the, you know, um, Renegades, you get, you know, sideline access and access to the owners and all that good stuff, right, um, get the opportunity to network. And, and he was networking and told them about, you know, the Texas Elite and what we're doing, and they were like, yo, this is cool you guys need to come in. So we're going to come in. We're going to do like a little mini clinic for anybody that signs up that might be interested in, um, in football, um, whether they're, you know, man, woman, whatever it might be. Um, and then after that, they're going to do like a panel. Um, and then after that, they're giving everybody just tickets to kind of hang out and, and watch the game. And then they're also sponsoring um, several of our athletes um this season as well so it was it was really really cool we're hoping we can use that as you know kind of the model for the way that we'd like all of the professional sports teams in the dfw or in our franchise cities to really wrap their arms around the women's team and how we can you know we can work together to continue to build our fan bases now it's a mutual arrangement because i know uh in the past you know teams have partnered together um, and I'm talking about women's sports teams in general, you know, like, uh, you know, I know that Carrie was working on uh, with the Aces in Vegas, right, yep. to go to their yep. games yep. and kind of be a presence at their game in terms of a section or something like that. Um, so, you yep. know, kind of hook up with the women's sports teams. And then, obviously, to your point, they do do it overseas. A lot of the teams overseas do have uh, women's, you know, teams that are kind of in combined with, uh, you know, with the men's teams as a, as a general yep. rule. For excitement, yep. so co co uh, co marketing basically is the the word, right? So we got to have co marketing, absolutely support the men in season, and then have them come out and support you guys in season as well. So it's it's kind of nice, and then they're a new league as well. So it's kind of like you're in the same boat in a lot of ways. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, like they they were just so open to wanting to do this, and and really truly driving this, and it all happened very quickly, right, for us to be able to to do it when they, they had wanted us to do it. I think it was taking advantage of, right, why aren't we getting close to the end of the, the regular season for XFL? Yeah, we got another week or two, I think, and then the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, so I think timing-wise, it was like, you know, we knew we needed to take advantage of it. Um, but this is just year one, you know, and, and we're excited to see what, what this year brings for sure, but then also subsequent years and how we can keep building from this. Now, the last uh, question that I have before I let you go is, all this uh, girls' flag excitement, you guys did it at the Nine Cup last year. Uh, we got the buzz now with the NFL really on board. Um, you know, the World Games brought a big attention. Diana Flores at the Super Bowl, right? Um, there's the, uh, the, the scholarships. You know, we had, uh, we had uh, Lilani Kamal last week on our podcast who's going to get a scholarship to go. You got Tony Fuller out there and – uh, you got your other girl, Angelica Grayson, right, out there yep. with the with the flag yep. initiative over in, in with the Chargers and everything else. Um, I know you guys got uh, got her back the charity, right, by supporting the yes, the sir. girls and initiatives as well. So, is is a WNFC program going to be driven in that feeder mentality with the with the flag 
as an as a, a kind of like bringing in future future growth in other words and bringing the talent back in into uh the tackle side as well yeah yeah it's definitely part of the plan right we can't we can't uh, we can't uh we obviously had no intention of having a, a flag kind of counterpart um as we started the wnfc but given kind of the nature of the environment and how flag is like you know everybody's all about flag right now um, which as they should be right any as we continue you know to increase the visibility of of the sport you know um, but at the same time we don't want to abandon tackle right our product is tackle our business is tackle um, and there is very much a market for our product and we aren't going to um, we aren't going to give on that so the answer is yes um, and um, you know a lot more exciting stuff to come um, I would I would anticipate in the very near future um, about you know, WNFC's plans for, for FLAG. Uh, Elizabeth, FLAG is huge in Texas. You, uh, you probably, what is this, what is, what's, the, what's it called? You, t- you just turn a blind, you turn an eye and you're in, right? Austin, Houston. I think Texas is probably the biggest hotbed for FLAG in terms of talent because I see it all the time, he, you know, in, yeah, in terms of like, you know. Like, I, I, we we are but aren't at the same time it's a little frustrating to see some you know um i would say florida florida jacksonville tampa mm-hmm. um or was is it orlando orlando jacksonville um and then obviously atlanta um and now philly starting and now cleveland starting right and and la is la is getting huge right now um and and I don't know why Dallas is so behind um, as far as is really, you know, kind of establishing what this is going to look like here in the Dallas area as far as, you know, making um, flag football a, a high school sport for women um, and, and really truly kind of standing up and supporting some of the programs around getting flag started. It, it, there's some in certain, um, you know, uh, school districts in the Metroplex but really kind of like the Dallas area, there's nothing formalized yet. Um, and, and maybe it's just we don't have the, the inside scoop yet, although we constantly try to feel around for it and make all the connections that we can. And every time we talk to a city about, you know, really kind of truly starting to, um, you know, get in, inclusive with them on building a program, um, they're always super interested, but there's nothing yet formalized. So, I don't. I'm not saying it's not going to happen here, um, but it's going to. We're just. We just seem to be behind the game in, in the Dallas area, and it's really surprising to me. Then again, you know how big. I think it's, I think it's nice that here, you have. Right? You have Los Angeles. Um, you have Florida. You got a couple markets in your in your you know franchises and other Philly. local franchises yep. in those states yep. that maybe yep. one of them will you know will work it out to where now it becomes a yep. national type of feel for it. All right, so a lot to cover. Appreciate you coming in, making the time. We had a lot of fans requesting to talk to the president of the WNFC on our podcast as we return to the full season. And then a kickoff just a couple of weeks from today. Uh, the new format's kind of exciting. Um, so do you feel like, uh, let's say, uh, you know, in the WF, WFA, the Masseys really kick you in the rear at the end if your strength of schedule isn't working right? Uh, not so mm-hmm. much in the WNFC because in the WNFC you get you, you get your butt kicked every week and you'll know where you're standing <laughs> based on a clear picture. Um, right. But do you feel like the three divisions going to really uh, bring more excitement be- uh, before you go? Like bring more excitement for the fans as well as well as the uh, franchises? I do. 
I do, especially like the way we're doing the playoff format, right? So the top two from each division will go to the playoffs. The top two seeds from each division will go to the playoffs. And then how it works for Central. So obviously there's two playoff tournaments again, right? We'll have one in um, Salt Lake City this year and one in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, the top two from Pacific will go to Salt Lake. The top two from Atlantic will go to Atlanta. And then Central, the number one seed in Central will go to Salt Lake. The number two seed in Central goes to Atlanta. And then the seven and eight seed overall is going to go based on geography. So okay. if you're closer, like let's say the, the seven seed is is, um, is Washington, right? We're not going to send mm-hmm. seven to Pacific if the eight seed is in Central. Central would go Pacific right. and then Atlanta would, yeah. So I think that's going to okay. add a fun little element to it as well. Yeah, and I think everybody's excited for it because we are all expecting the same type of layout. And then when you guys, you know, threw the, threw the curveball, we're like, okay. And then the schedule came out. And then we had to readjust the schedule too, right? So all the schedule had to be re- yeah. adjusted too. Um, yeah, so that's the, not a fun thing. The, Let me tell you. The Houston, the Houston Mambas and the Tennessee Trojans come into play this season. Uh, kind of excited to see what that Tennessee team's going to look like. Uh, we talked to Coach Thank Soho uh, about the Mambas. So uh, overall, kind of exciting to see what they're going to do and how they're going to shift everybody else around. A couple wins here and there, right? something like that will yeah. change everything around for everything and toss it around. So I'm uh, kind of excited to see what those two franchises will, how they will impact the season. Yeah, I can tell you what, both of those ownership groups have done an amazing job. Like I could probably brag on them for an hour um, about the work that they put in. I mean, for Tennessee being, and obviously Mambas, this is year one for them as well, but coming from a market that we had a franchise in, you know, that their ability to probably absorb some of that roster was, um, gave them an upper, upper leg. Um, now the, the Trojans came in and they're well over, you know, the minimum requirements. I think it's, the minimum requirements this year is 45 in the WNFC. They're well into the fifties as far as rostered athletes as well as the Mambas, right? So both teams are just really – and then when you – obviously you can see how strong their branding is, how strong their marketing is, how strong their recruiting is. Like these teams took us very seriously and were very seriously, you know, were very serious themselves when they committed to doing this. And um, I'm I'm super excited to see what happens um, and what comes out with both of those franchises this year. All right, so I'm everything excited to see what happens with Mississippi excited. too, because Mississippi, oh, yeah. you know, Mississippi absorbed four to five. I'm not even sure of the Alabama Fires players and some of their top players at that. So I'm, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things is it always hurts, right? Obviously, when we lose a competitive franchise, but at the same time, you know, the athletes are wanting to play in the WNFC. The top athletes are, and these. We have, uh, you know, Chardonnay Jenkins and Mary Woodard and uh, Rashida Young, and that, you know, there's just a, a number of of really, really good talent that left the fire and uh, joined Rasan Gore over there with Mississippi. So I, um, um, it's good. Four one is going to be a fun game. Four one is going to be a very competitive game. I'm excited for it. I, I'm. That was the one matchup that we were looking at, really right off the blocks, right? Because Everybody is eyeing your former team. Everybody wants to take down the Spartans. And we're all anticipating. You know, we're media. We're kind of salvaged. Yeah. You know, like, we're just getting our popcorn ready. Who's going to take down the Spartans, right? This is the year that it happens. <laughs> Who's going to do it, right? 
I mean, if you're Mississippi, yep. you almost, you should, almost right? had it, That's right? That should be the buzz right now. Yeah. Yeah, you almost had it. <laughs> almost had it, but just didn't make, couldn't make it happen. So um, it's going to be really awesome. And then uh, the fact that, you know, we're going to have this uh, three division, like you said, the layout for the playoffs, it's going to be more interesting as well. So we're going to get uh, the news, as you said here, we're going to get the news as for the paywall uh, streaming service and in terms of what that's going to look like. But overall, excited for WNFC 2023. We're going to be covering it week to week, of course. We're going to have some interviews as well with each of the key players, and, and, and hopefully we'll get everybody week to week as we've done last year. Uh, so, Liz, awesome. I really appreciate you coming on, giving us the lowdown on what's going to be upcoming here in about 10, 11 days or so. Looking forward to uh, the eight weeks of the WNFC playoffs, which uh, last year was very exciting. Yeah, yeah, us too, us too. And thank you. Thank you, Oscar, for having me. I I, uh, I was excited about it. It was good catching up with you. And uh, let's go get it. Let's do it. Thank you again. Safe travels. Thank uh, you. And then uh, have some coffee because I, I think yes. <laughs> you need coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. All right. So that was uh, Elizabeth Jenkins, WNFC president. And uh, like she said, she's grinding. She's pounding and grinding. She's doing her part and uh, just uh, overall just uh, doing her, the best she can to try to, like she said, grow the brand, grow the teams, be a resource for the teams. Um, we're going to get, uh, obviously, the news for this, the uh, the services for viewing the WNFC. And I like, it, like I said before, it's no different. It's not a shocker. Uh, every league does it. they got to survive somehow. So, uh, you know, pay for the paywall. That's not a big deal. I mean, you're looking at probably 10 bucks, probably 29.99 at the worst case scenario. Um, but you know, whatever the package may be, it's only about what seven to nine weeks. So it's not like you have this year-long thing like the WNBA or the NBA or the MLB, as an example. So it's uh, going to be exciting to see what that you know opportunity brings us. And as fans, obviously, you know, I know for sure I'll be paying for it because um, we're covering it every week to week, and we got to have access to everything that's going to happen in the league. So. Uh, shout out to her, the franchise owners, and then uh, looking at, looking to see how the you know teams have improved this year and the competitiveness of each team, and then the central division as to who's going to take down the the uh, elite Spartans and uh, maybe change up the nine cup results so far. So interesting to see. Don't forget, guys, uh, go to zazzle.com for slash Square Down Beauties. That is our no joke football shop. Check it out. Worldwide shipping. You can get uh, cool stuff, leggings, hoodies, shirts, everything there at the Nojo Football Shop. Uh, you can save big up to 25% off. Use the, the codes there. And if you're inclined not to get anything from our shop, no big deal. Uh, Zazzle has plenty of other gifts you can get, including Marvel and Disney stuff. So check it out, zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. Go from there. So we're going to go into the second huddle, and we're going to be talking to the author of Women's American Football, Breaking barriers on and off the field, and that would be uh, Russ Crawford. Russ, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, just talked to WNFC President Elizabeth Jenkins, and totally stoked here for 2023 WNFC. Hey, Oscar, good to talk to you again. I was listening to a little bit of that, but it seems like they've got uh, quite a bit going on. Yeah, she's obviously uh, working, <laughs> working yeah. it now, especially full time. You know how that goes when you're working full time. Uh, sometimes you mm. you don't get some rest, and um, so but she's the, 
you know, she's doing her part. Um, she's strategically minded in terms of business. And, uh, you know, last year was very exciting. So we're looking forward to this year, uh, hopefully going to be elevated to another level, continue to do it. Yeah. Well, what's new, Mr. Crawford? Uh, thank you for including me in the book. I really appreciate that. Uh, my family members were shocked. <laughs> I'm in the book. And they're like, no, you're not. I'm in the book. This is me. <laughs> I was totally stoked. Yeah. Well, they all should buy a copy so they can see it for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that, that, was was great, that was a great moment. Up. I was just looking it up to see if I, let's see, I did mention Oscar, didn't I? And I, I saw that I did quite a bit. Yeah, you did. Uh, but it was really nice, nicely done. So shout out to your team, yourself, and everybody else. You guys can get a copy on Amazon um, also. And uh, pretty awesome yeah. book done there. Um, there's a couple of chapters in there that we are discussing, uh, including the cover, no longer in the WFA, the star of your cover, no. and will be in Denver, Denver Bandit for 2023. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, Miss Grace Cooper, which we uh, interviewed uh, last week. Uh, two weeks ago on our podcast. So yeah. uh, kind of shocking, right? But uh, 42 turns to 24, and we're looking forward to a new black and red experience in Denver. Cover that Nebraska Press came up with, I looked at it, and it didn't look quite right, and it turned out to be two Australian teams. So I mentioned that to him since this book covers mostly women playing here in the United States. And so they came up with this picture or maybe I, I asked for some – I think they came up with this picture of, of Cooper, and and um, uh, we got the, the rights to the picture. And the, the cover turned out very well. Nebraska Press does a heck of a job on their covers. I've always been happy with that. No, it was really nicely covered. Um, it's very nice and professionally done. Um, and you got a couple – you know, the, the it took you what? Uh, what was it? The, the time frame for the book you said was a, a couple of years, right? Because you got to do the manuscripts and you got to, you know, all that stuff that have to be reviewed, right? Well, I think I started doing the, the research. I guess doing the research. I went to a women's football game in France in 2016, and that sort of sparked it. And so the research took about, uh, let's see three and a half years and then the writing the writing is the easiest part or at least the least time consuming part that maybe took oh six or seven months and um and then the second longest part is trying to find somebody to publish it mm-hmm. and that took probably about another six or seven months so it's been what about six years in the process yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a long time. People don't realize how long it, you know, how long it takes to actually uh, write books. It's, it takes a, a long time to do it. And a lot of people quit real early. <laughs> they, once they realize hmm. how much of a labor it is, they're like, okay, maybe I'm not so passionate about it after all, uh, creating a storybook, you know. That's usually what never, happens. It's never um, bothered me much. I, I enjoy writing. And, you know, the, yeah, no, the stories the that I've uncovered in this women's football book have been so – cool and and entertaining and engrossing that you know it, it's been a pleasure to write it all yeah and it and, and it's uh you go uh you take us into a journey because you take us into from the 70s right basically from the mm-hmm. 70s until now which is really awesome and then you know you you take us on this journey about 
you know, the different leagues and how they've existed, how they shifted and things like that. And then we also had, uh, I think, uh, uh, last year, I think I had Brittany De La Cresta and Lindsay DiCarangelo. Yeah, DiCarangelo. Yeah. So I had them here uh, with the uh, Hail Mary. And I also have Steve Guinean here also. So between the three of you guys, if you guys, uh, you know, if you don't own the books, uh, Hail Mary as well, and then it's uh, your book, and then Steve's book. Uh, between the three of you, there's a there's a little piece, uh, little nuggets, right, in that little uh, 1970s yeah. to early 80s type of environment where you can go back and research all that, and you know the Title IX effect as well in in 72. And then Neil Rosendahl's America, let's see, Women's American Encyclopedia. Women's Football Encyclopedia or Encyclopedia of Women's Football. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Andra Douglas has a memoir out there about her playing days and with the New York Sharks called Black and Blue Love Sports mm-hmm. and the Art of uh, the Art of Empowerment. Yep. So there's going to be a bigger uh, uh, library on women's football, which is kind of cool. Yeah, no, and it's I, I have a lot of people that. Uh, you know, are surprised of, of everything that has been written so far, and it's been nicely done on uh, with all parties, basically. And uh, recently, I don't know if you were at the Hub, you, you probably saw it, but, uh, you know, at the Southwest Festival, the um, mm-hmm. the Hurricanes, the Houston teams, uh, has been introduced in terms of a documentary, just like the Toledo Troopers was. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and there was also the one about, Sammy Grasafi and uh, Liz Sauer. Uh, mm-hmm. First down, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. First, and then the one uh, that was on ES. Was it first the down? The Born to Play. The Born to Play. No, that that was the one that happened during the pandemic about the Renegades. Uh, Born to Play. I'm thinking yes. And then there was another about one ta- about. I think it's Tackle Girls, right? Is it Tackle Girls? I want to say Tackle Girls. Is it Girls. Tackle Girls? But- I think it's Tackle Girls. up the names. I think it's Tackle Girls. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look it up. But it was it was a Team USA uh, feature. I believe it was Team USA feature for the for the inaugural um, uh, championship that was in that was ha- that happened in Finland, I believe. So that was exciting. Oh, that was um, um, Tackle the World. There you Strong go, Tackle women, the World. Tough right. women, tougher game, or tougher game. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. That's cool. No, but there's another one that uh, came out in the last year or two that followed a couple of players, especially Grisafi, uh, who used to play with Chicago, Chicago Force. And um, I, I think it was First Down. I'm, I'm thinking that was the name of the, the documentary. So there's been a, a, a nice little movement towards a lot more documentaries as well. I think the 70s are interesting because um, that's really the root of the sport, and it was kind of like the creation, not not so much the 20s. So when you go to the NFL, for example, I know women have been playing tackle football since like the 30s, but uh, in terms of a spotlight, it was really the 70s that kicked it off, and then the 80s mm-hmm. started it. You know, the IWFL, and then you went into the uh, you went into the w, uh, WFA, uh, the era of the WFA mm-hmm. after the IWFL fall. Um, so yeah, now it's like you know, we're transitioning to, you know, uh, the sustainability of the WFA and then, the you know, the WNFC coming into its fruition 
as well. So it's kind of like the same similar eras that you were experiencing in the 80s, but in a different way. Yeah. Well, we did have the here in Ohio in Toledo, they did have a women's barnstorming team in the 1920s. But after mm-hmm. Lou Henry Hoover, the, the first lady of the United States, wrote a letter saying that they're exploiting women, they, they kind of faded away. So there's always the argument is Ohio the the home of women's football as well as the NFL. And I wouldn't doubt it because that's literally where, where Toledo Toledo come you know the 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 documentary for Toledo that's where it's at. Yeah. You know, come from Toledo in, in a lot of ways. A heck of a team. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a ride. And if you watch their documentary, it's a very very nicely done. And it was really well done as well. Um, in the book, you cover a lot of ch- – in different chapters, you cover some of the eras as well. Uh, if you guys can check it out, Women's American Football, Breaking Barriers on and off the gridiron, you go to uh, Amazon. You get it on Amazon. Uh, you can just type it in. Go right there at Amazon.com. Uh, so you got the first – I think the first uh, couple chapters kind of takes you into the, you know, the storyline, right, which is uh, – the IWFL right after the 70s. Then we go into the Women's Football Alliance. Um, you're probably the first or second person that has actually done X-League uh, type of perspective and focus, which uh, everybody thought that was going to be excluded. But technically, you can't exclude it because it is mainstream seven-on-seven, seven, right, with a different feel, which mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interesting that you included that. Yeah, well... They're playing a version of football. It's you know like arena football is a version of men's football, and so I wanted to. I was trying to to be as as complete as possible in the history of women mm-hmm. playing football since Title IX, more or less. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that was part of it. And of course, and then probably the one that people know most when they they think women's football, at least that has been in the past, which of course irritates the women playing full-kitted football to no end. Mm -hmm. Uh, But still, it's the one that most people saw. It was on MTV. Uh, uh, There's another network. And so probably the most visible until here recently, the WFA has two uh, doing their games. Now the WNFC is going to have all their games uh, streamed. So, yeah, it, it belonged in a book about all of women's football. And I think that was interesting because a lot of a lot of the players in X League uh, um, were mentioning that when I when we first introduced the book and posted it out there, and they kind of realized that they obviously had a section you know of a mention there, which is really really inter- hmm. really uh, cool for them um, to to have oh, a, a man, piece of yeah. So a lot of the players, you know, the veteran players, were really surprised mm-hmm. that you you actually included an X League you know type of uh, uh, segment in the book. So, you know, like I said, that's why I'm letting you know now that it was kind of shocking that you had that, right? Because normally it's excluded in a lot of ways for it. Um, then we di- then we dived into the WNFC, which is the last couple of years here. And then you take us into the American women tackle the world mentality. Um, and then, uh, of course, the, the born to play function of it. So um, I think it's through over 300 pages. You guys can get it on Amazon, uh, Russ Crawford's uh, book. So it's a really good read. Uh, I know I've read it more than once already, and uh, well, thank you, you know, feature 
features a lot of uh, informative things about the U.S. leagues that if you're uh, unaware of, you're able to kind of enlighten yourself with. So it's really, really nice. Um, Russ, what do you think of the seasons coming up here? You're, you follow the sport for a long time now. We got the growth of the flag in a lot of the colleges now, select colleges with scholarships. Um, you know, I think this is just an up, an up mentality now, especially with social media being so prominent and so, so effective. But I think uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's going to get better and better going forward. Yeah, I find that interesting. And Elizabeth Jenkins mentioned this a little bit. Their their brand is tackle football, not flag football. And it seems like the the promotion of flag football right now is is almost, um, you know, talking. We've been talking about since women have been playing football how the game is too dangerous for them. And it seems like this is almost a movement in that direction. It's good that uh, there are more and more girls playing flag football and women uh, uh, eventually. But it seems like maybe it's a retreat from tackle football. It'll be interesting to see if that becomes a feeder system for the the tackle leagues. I've talked to, you know, quite a few of the players who, you know, don't really have that many women who come in from flag football. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if that becomes a feeder or a drainer from tackle football. I think though the initiative has to be where uh, these these leagues have to partner with uh, flag programs in order for it to succeed on the other side too. You know, what I mean, it's a benefit. Hmm. It's got to be a benefit. You know, if the leagues if the leagues and the franchises in each market uh, see that value. I think they 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 got to see value in it to, uh, to to do it. The NFL has started to see value. The NFL is going to fund, you know, the flag games internationally for the Olympic games as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just going to be a must must have type of uh, branch if you want to call it. Each franchise in the tackle world, in terms of the major leagues, are, they're going to have to go to that initiative to just because we don't have what the men's have. You know, we don't have the college feeder system, the high school feeder system, sure. the, you know, all that. So you got to create something out of it uh, in order for you to feed, you know, even if you got 10% of uh, a flag league to convert over to a tackle, that still gives you, you know, a good percentage of individuals for sustainability. Mm-hmm. Well, my second to last chapter was about the, the girls leagues that are playing out there and, and being a, a fan of tackle football, I'd, I'd love to see more of that happening. The, the model that started in uh, Manitoba in, um, yeah, in Manitoba, and then spread to the United States in Utah, and Utah is still going strong. The Utah Girls Football League is still going strong out there. And, you know, if you give girls a chance to play football, they will. You know, if, if flag is the only thing they get to play, then they'll play that. Um, but if you give them the chance to play tackle football, I think they would rush to do that as well. There are more and more girls playing tackle football on boys' teams, and so if they had a chance, you know, that is probably more dangerous. Um, But if you gave them a chance, as Chris Sacco has done and uh, Sam Gordon and her father have done in Utah, to play in a league against other girls, that removes some of that danger from the game, girls playing against girls. And they're in, you know, from what I've 
from the, the players that I've talked to, they're enjoying playing tackle football. You know, uh, so are the girls from Manitoba and briefly there in Indiana. And let's see, also in um, New Brunswick in Canada. There are two leagues in Canada and two in the United States. I think Indiana is pretty much gone now, though. Yeah, the but, only the only major uh, program is Utah for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two have been established in Canada for a long time, and even Football Canada uh, now has you know seen the value of it as well. So they're trying to you know support it in that way too uh, with their mm-hmm. championships, on their team championships as well on the tackle and the flag side, um, because they're, obviously that's going to be needed to uh, you know feed out the flag teams for international competition too. So, mm-hmm. Well, Russ, uh, anything else we want to chat about? Uh, we, haven't, we haven't talked in a long time. Uh, I really appreciate you making the time to come in and kind of chat about the sport, your book. Um, kind of looking forward to the, the upcoming season here in terms of, you know, what's going to yeah. happen in the WFA and what's going to happen in the WNFC. Um, and then, you know, a week to week, we're going to be covering it a week to week here on the podcast as well as, um, Everybody can keep tabs on it on social sites. Well, I'm glad the WNFC is going to be making sure their games are all streamed this year. Um, it's easy for me to get to the WFA championship because it's you know, two hours down the road in Canton. I'm over mm-hmm. in Ada. Uh, so it's easy for me to get there. But getting down to Texas, the university doesn't give me that much money to travel. And last year I spent all my money going to Finland to watch the the national team play <clears throat> win again. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, I'm glad I'll be able to watch those. Maybe write some articles about them, which would be good for American Football International. Uh, I've been doing that, too. So, the next thing here is when I published this book, uh, I had to cut 60,000 words out of it, which is a, a lot. And most a lot. of what I had to cut, yeah, it was on the international game. Um, and so hopefully, you know, if this one sells well, I can do a, a second volume. Or even if it doesn't sell well, I'll do a second volume and try to get somebody else to publish it. Uh, but hopefully it'll do well. Yeah, no, and hopefully we're a resource. If you're at the hub, you get the lowdown on everything in terms of the international scope with, from our partners. So that's pretty cool. Um, you get to, you know, get the research that off our gallery too. There's a lot of stuff that happens yeah. there too. So, so it's really interesting. And All right. So I appreciate you coming I mean, in. Giving us the lowdown. Oh. No, go ahead. Okay. No, go ahead. Uh, the one thing I was really interested in last summer at the, um, the International Federation of American Football Women's World Championships was how Mexico got screwed over by their federation. Apparently, I I was I listened to your podcast on that, but it was all in Spanish, and my Spanish isn't that good. <laughs> but no, that was uh, horrible what happened to them. That was a travesty. Is the word I got to use, <laughs> Russ? Travesty mm-hmm. is the word. Uh, so the story goes. Um, the Federation had X amount of years to get ready for funding to fund the trip, right? The story goes mm-hmm. that the uh, president had uh, pre-purchased tickets but never confirmed the purchase. So they, they asked the airline for the tickets. The airline uh, uh, 
was very kind to set the tickets aside. And when it came time to, to pay for them, there was no funding to pay for them. Mm-hmm. So he didn't, he didn't, and he didn't advise the team, you know, months in advance and going, Hey, we're going to have a problem with funding here, you know, six months out or something, you guys are going to have to fundraise your, your parents or whoever's going to have to help you fundraise. Right. Uh, so he waited to the last second to do that. So there was no funding for the flight to get to yeah. uh, Finland, which was a travesty, right? So mm-hmm. he obviously he either pocketed the money or just mismanaged the funds, which is what most people are telling me. And so, you know, you just basically shafted uh, a opportunity for a team that was really uh, hyped up, right, to do so well at the yeah. tournament. A historic, probably, opportunity to go up against Team USA, as an example. You know, in a clash of clashes yeah. for a North American right. So whatever the storylines mm-hmm. we created at the time, you know, he 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 just basically ruined them. <laughs> he just, man, that guy just. Well, anyways, apparently they had enough money to send the the flag team to. Um, Birmingham. Birmingham. I, I was there oh, at yeah. the World Games this summer and watched Mexico upset the United States. Well, not upset. They pretty much crushed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was a great victory for Mexico, and I'm sure the the women's tackle team would have brought a lot of glory on Mexico, too, if they had had the chance. And it's just awful that they didn't have the chance because of whatever. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a mess. That's the word. I yeah. guess we got to put it on. It was a mess. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, the, the athletes are the ones that were the ones that had to, you know, suffer the amount of amount of time, the effort to put in and the, uh, basically a lot of lies. Let's just narrow it down to that. A lot of lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the Federation has to do better. The Mexican Federation has to do better. Uh, it's a broken faction, basically, in Mexico. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of politics involved there. Uh, well, it so sounds that's like what happened, happened to the happened with the International Federation a few years back, back yeah. in 2015. Yeah, that's too bad. Mexican women are tough. No, and you know what? Yeah. I, we uh, uh, Russ, we talked to the coach, right? Uh, they're not the biggest mm-hmm. athletes, but they are fast. So they, yeah, you know, they pretty, were pretty they tough, were they were going on their on their uh, their speed. You know, they were doing their speed, yeah. especially in Vancouver. You saw them. They, they were pretty fast. They had speed, mm-hmm. mobility. So whatever they lacked in strength or, you know, muscle, as they say, they were making it up with speed and uh, agility. Yeah. So there was opportunity there. So, um, so I don't is, know what to tell you, but quarter... it was a crap feud by the Federation. Yeah. Is their quarterback going to play in the U.S. this year? Um, I'm crew? assuming he's being – She's going in. Uh, she's going to be in LA, I think, if I'm if I'm correct. One of their okay. quarterbacks is going to be in LA. I think they're playing in uh, LA. Uh, so we'll we'll see. We'll see how she does. I think she's playing in the WFA, if I'm correct, with Cali War. So we'll see how she turns out out there. Oh, all right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So well, we'll keep tabs on going to have both leagues. That's the inter- and interesting think, thing think about the, the WFA interest- this year. The international interest is building. So from both leagues, there's a lot of uh, import yeah. players that are going to be coming over, you know, to play with some of the major teams, especially in pro in the WFA pro division. 
it'll be interesting to see how the Cali Ward does. I think they also have Ambra Marcucci uh, from Italy playing with them. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be – they're looking like they're going with the Renegades model. I think the Renegades had four or five international players last year and for the last several years. So a lot of the teams are following suit, right? They're they're getting better, and they know they got to bring in import talent. So I think it's a good sign yeah. for the sport because a lot of the overseas players really want to come and compete in in the states. So, all right, Russ. Um, so ch- check out Russ's book, Will, uh, Women's American Football: Breaking uh, Barriers on and Off the Field. You can get it on Amazon. You can check it out right there, and it's a, a it's still at good value, right? What is it, uh, thirty five dollars or less? Yes. Yeah, so it's That's still good price. value. So pick it up. Yep, it's about thirty-five dollars. Uh, if you got Prime, you get it the next day, pretty much shipped in, shipped out. So check it out, Women's American Football. That's the uh, cover on there, and then you got uh, Grace Cooper as well on the cover. Uh, former Minnesota Vixen superstar. Russ, thank you again for coming in. Appreciate it. I hope you have a great week. Looking forward to the WFA WNFC seasons here in a uh, well WNFC in a couple weeks here, and then in about a month the WFA kicks off. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Oscar. It's good to talk to you again. At some point, I may uh, uh, get an interview with you about this Mexican situation at some point to dive deeper into yeah, I'm that. Yeah, so, I'm always free, so just message me. We'll we'll make a date and do it. No excellent. no problem. All right, sir. Well, thanks for having night. me. I appreciate that. Enjoy it. And I appreciate it. We'll, we'll keep tabs, and then we, we uh, hopefully we'll bring you back before the end of the season. Then we recap the whole season, league season, so that'll be good. Excellent. Thank Sounds you. Like Have a great night. All right. Bye, Oscar. Bye. All right, guys. That was uh, Russ Crawford. Uh, you can pick up his book, Women's American Football, Breaking Barriers on and Off the Gridiron. You can get it on Amazon. It's about $35. Uh, if you need the link, you can message us on our Facebook page. Uh, you can message me directly on my Facebook page. But uh, it's a really good read. And you can get it right there at Amazon.com. All right. We're going to be talking uh, WFA D3. We're going to talk international news here in a bit here uh, for a couple minutes. And then we're going to go into D3. So let's bring uh, Mark Simone and Coach Terry Lister in the house so we can talk about that stuff. Uh, So, Mark, uh, Terry, welcome back. Just got through uh, Russ Crawford. We got the news from uh, Elizabeth Jenkins. There will be a streaming service for a fee, which is not surprising. Almost every league has that. So that's uh, a situation where I guess uh, Vire did not get uh, some funding, so that forces them to pivot, as she said. Yeah, I mean, that's an unfortunate situation. Um, You know, you got put in position, as she said, you know, they had to pivot and come up with, um, some kind of solution. Um, it sounds like there's still details worked out, but that they, you know, they wanted to kind of decentralize the um, the operational aspect of it to the teams um, and help pay for it by making it a pay model. Um, you know, they could have gone in, in a few different directions, but it sounds like this is the one that made um, – made the most sense for them um certainly they're going to meet some challenges in um in doing it this way they might have varying quality of the pot of the uh 
Dreamcast and um, stuff like that. I certainly hope that they want to try and centralize, uh, you know, with with an app or something like that, or a uh, a Roku channel or some sort of like singular place that people can go to, just to minimize the um, number of people who you know viewers that they'll lose and they'll lose viewers. Um, anytime you switch to a pay model, you're going to lose a few viewers, but you're going to be making money. <laughs> so, and that's not a bad thing. You know, eventually you got to, you got to start charging for what your product is worth, right? You can't just keep yeah, giving away for free forever. The whole point, the data is there. And so there's a positive going forward, right? Cause there's excitement. They did really well. They got metrics to uh, uh, attain to. Um, each team owner is going to have to do their, uh, ad process, right? They're going to have to do individually ad streaming to, to get the buzz out and to get it done. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of administrative and logistic things that they got to be in place even more so yep. this season than, uh, than last season. So it's going to be a hurdle, Absolutely. but uh, you know what? She's doing it full time now. As she said, <laughs> this is, a, this is her cup of tea. There's no going back. Just got it. You guys go forward, yeah, I, right? Find the means. That's right. I I can't I can't see her taking like picking up some kind of part time job somewhere, you know. Once she's she her whole body's in the pool now, <laughs> right? We yeah. just put it that way, you know. She's not dipping a toe in. She's you know she's not sitting on the edge with with her nope. feet uh, hanging in. She's she's all in. So, I mean, I think that's definitely, you know, good. It's it's good for the league, and. You know, um, she's doing what she's got to do. So good luck to her. Yeah. So we got the answer that we wanted. We were all chatting about that and wondering what, you know, what was going to be the, the process. Uh, we're going to get, the, obviously, the streaming service uh, in, or the paywall service that's going to take care of the, the, the payment in terms of what the uh, schedule is going to look like. So we'll probably see that in a couple of days here in terms of they'll announce it and uh, get it out. Uh, before that, so we appreciate her coming in, giving us the lowdown on the 2023 season and what's going to be involved with it. And she did answer the questions about, you know, Alabama leaving and how they're acquiring, obviously, more players from Mississippi. She did say, Mark, that this might be the most encouraging year for the the elite Spartans to fall. So she did go as far as that. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it better be, they right? They won't be banded. Just to make sure you know that she didn't say like specifically it was going to be like Denver Bandits or anything. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Terry's already drawn up his little uh, masterpiece of a of a, what do you call it? <laughs> Wall. Well, yeah, I mean the um, whiteboard's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, definitely the the white the whiteboard is all. Um, Rearing to go, and you know, I, I treat every opponent the same as far as how thorough I scout them and try to prepare our team. So um, Texas won't be any different from anybody else, but um, I'll definitely be locked in that week for sure because it's not very often you get to play a team like that. So I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, as far as the uh, streaming stuff, my only <clears throat> my only opinion about that is just that if they were saying it's something you need to pay for, and the price of it was like kind of high, um, that would be a loss for me because, you know, Mark, like Mark said, whenever you are not no longer letting people do stuff for free, you're going to lose viewers naturally. Um, but the good news for us is, did, I don't know if she went over the prices with you, but 
she she said that it's like nine ninety nine per month, or if you want to pay pay for the year, it's like thirty or forty bucks. Um, and so that's that's super affordable in my opinion. Like if you care about women's football, if you're watching your daughter play from you know the UK or, or Australia or whatever, like forty bucks is obviously worth it to have unlimited access. So I think that's that's inexpensive enough that that, that shouldn't deter real fans. So I'm not I'm well, not too uh, disheartened thing- by that. The one thing you're pointing out is going to be the facts, right? Is it worth it worthy enough? It's going to be worthy enough if if you got fans already. You know, if you got if mm-hmm. you got fans that really love a certain athlete in your team, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. do that. I mean, and if yeah. you think about it, it's like a what a ten week season in reality, probably twelve week yeah. season. So yeah, you break down thirty dollars into twelve weeks. It's not that expensive. So it's not at all. It's not like. Not it's not oh, like yeah. an NBA package, right? Where it's like 150 yeah, bucks, <laughs> you know? yeah, or two, 300 bucks. You're not breaking the bank. Yeah, no, yeah, it's just no, a couple I mean, Starbucks. Frankly, I, I think, frankly, I think they could charge more. Um, it's known. It, it's like, um, you know, studies have shown, and I'm not just saying that. Studies have shown that women sports fans are, um, by whatever, you know, however they measured this. They're more willing to pay, uh, you know. They're more willing to pay, and they're willing to pay more than your Joe Schmo sports fan, right? Who just watches men's sports. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, people are going to want to pay. The key, you know, yeah. as I alluded to, is like just to make it easy, right? That's that's mm-hmm. really the key. If you're going to switch to, you know, a, a pay platform. You know, it can't be complicated. Um, people need to know where to go, and when they get there, they need to be able to pay right away and start getting the content immediately. You know, just that's it. It's 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 about like user, you know, the use usability of of whatever yep. whatever this is going to look like. So I suggest like yeah. an app, if you know, for the phone, or you know, they have their own streaming channel um on roku or apple tv or some kind of platform like that any smart tv platform so that's what i'm that's what i'm going to be looking for when uh the season begins but it's tough and i understand like they had to pivot and there's only a few weeks till the season starts man that's not a that's not the best situation to be in so um you know i definitely the the owner the good thing is the owners bought in you know every owner was committed so that's a good thing, you know what I mean? So that's a, even a bonus. Um, and she yeah. was saying how you know how how tough it was to redo the schedule. <laughs> this is probably way tougher because <laughs> now you got a logistics oh, yeah. nightmare within a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. So it's crazy in that sense too. Uh, but she's all in, so she's doing that. Uh, let's bring him and Mac into the conversation. So Mac, you know what we took away from uh, Elizabeth's conversation, and you know what? She's it's, this is her baby now. And she's got to she's got to steer the ship however she needs to steer the ship to keep it afloat. Oh my girl Dillo! Oh, I love me some Dillo. Oh, I look. I'm gonna tell you. Listen, listen. Look now. I'm gonna tell you something right now. As I was sitting in class, I was listening to the podcast and studying all that. Every single one of y'all made perfect points, but the fact, like, the thing that stuck for me was that she said, "This is her baby now." Like, you know, she's been on. I'm not going to say she's been on the back half of her, her career, but she's focusing more on the 
intangible parts as far as the networking and getting the WNFC out there, you know, the channeling, just like you guys were talking about, and just like kind of like the backseat coach yourself, Oscar the GOAT, and the guru, Mark Simon, you know, Simone rather, um, we're talking about women, fans of women's sports are going to pay to watch their favorite athlete, whether it's from a team or a certain player, whatever have you. But the fact that they have been able to grow this so fast is what's scary to me. And I'm just like, I've, I've played in the WNC. I've, I play for the other league. It's just, it's crazy to me to even think like, okay, like this is happening, A, B, C, and D. But at the same time, like you're still getting the visibility. You're still getting the overall solid product that you're looking for as far as like the sport in itself. And it's crazy to think about how far Vire Network and Dillo and OJ and the entire WNRC complex has come in three, four, five years now. It's wild. But people, like I said, just like everybody else said, people are going to pay to see, to watch their favorite sports, whether it's NFL, X League, G League, X Hundred League, Five Thousand Billion Trillion. You know, it doesn't matter what league. If you're an actual fan of the sport, you're gonna pay to see it, whether it's in regular season or not. So that's that's what I'm so excited for is the fact that like they have this giant contract and like the the drop off itself that people are saying like oh there's gonna be a drop off. There really hasn't been because there's been content all over in the off season. You just gotta know where to look for it. No, and it's, that's why I'm saying it's like her point is, you know, logistically minded. Uh, she she quit her full-time job, right? So now you're like, I, I don't know if you've, any of you guys have done sales. I did sales when I was young. Guess what? Uh, sales on commission is a pain in the ass because <laughs> you're looking for you're looking for that that payout, right? And I think that's what oh, happens yeah, no, when you sales on commission yeah, when you sucks. take on when you take on when you take on a, a lead. Yeah, when you take on a league like this, right? This is your this is your bread and butter. So you have to get sponsorship. You have to have revenue. You got to be able to bring in something of of value, right? So you know, relationship with the Arlington Renegades of the XFL that's huge. It's it may, may not pay dividends this year, but it could pay bit dividends next year, right? So hooking up with an XFL team, well, they're growing, they're doing the same thing. There's resources there. There's things that they can mutually agree on. So yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, a tough road for this season to maneuver. Uh, but like she said, she didn't want to sacrifice quality either. So the owners were in to buy in. So, uh, you know, I applaud her for her efforts because it's not easy to just quit, right, and then take on a new endeavor and have an unknown process. Basically, that's where she's at. Well, and, so, uh, and, and to piggyback off of you, Oscar, to piggyback off of you, like, you know, she's got, they've got that agreement with the renegade, you know, with them. But you can't – I'm not saying you in general. I'm just saying, like, you as, like, a general public or people who don't delve into women's football and sports like we do here on the pod. But people can't just automatically assume, okay, just because you're a men's counterpart team to whatever the women's is, that it's not going to pay dividends. Like, you never know. Like, if that team just happens to, you know, take off out of nowhere, like – Oh, there's the mm-hmm. dividends right there. They have they have a counterpart to their men's ex you know XFL team, okay? WNFC or WFA, UCFL, WFL, whatever it is. Like there's now they they're going to see that there's now an extra counterpart, so they're automatically going to be like, oh, hey, look, like there's still more sport or football to be had. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just – my point is I think she's, you know, to her point, the pivot was tough because it's like, you know, crunch time, your season's about to launch. If it was six months ago, it wouldn't be so bad, right, because you got more time to kind of dive into other, other services. But now it's, you know, it's go time, and unfortunately just we're going to have to maneuver through it. And as, as the Mark says, the only suggestion he had, which is a valid one, hey, try to centralize that, that uh, content somewhere so that it makes it more uh, user-friendly and the opportunities there for obviously more uh, revenue. So that's the bottom line there for it as well. Um, Mark, let's talk about LNFA Femenina. We haven't talked about it. Uh, we got the playoffs coming up in Spain. Uh, some really good teams happening there. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be kind of down to the wire. I think it's going to be uh, the Demons, once again, are going to be kind of front and center there in LNFA Femenina. Uh, you can get the lowdown on the Honduras Championship right there at the Hub. You can also get the lowdown on Texas Valley Sports Women's Gridiron season right there. But on uh, uh, Femenina season uh, about to end here, week six, and then we get the playoffs. Uh, yeah, just um, one week left to go. And, you know, by the time you get to this point in the season, you kind of know what's, what's up. And as you say, um, the Black Demons, uh, are they're undefeated, and as are the Barbera rookies. These are two teams that we talked about last year because, uh, you know, they're kind of the top of the heap of this league. Um, and it kind of looks like they're both heading towards the championship um, mm-hmm. again once the regular season's over. So we're going to keep tabs on it. Uh, Andresonhawks.com, thank you for their coverage week to week of the LNFA Femenina in Spain. So we're looking forward to the playoffs. We'll keep you updated right there at the Hub. Uh, the other stuff that happened at the Hub, if you guys are inclined, you get the access to Texas Valley Sports, Warriors versus Sting highlight, 22-13 uh, to 13 victory over Brownsville Sting. That's uh, in season right now. Uh, we're going to be getting, uh, I believe, uh, Esther Delgado will be coming here on the podcast in a week or two. So she'll give us kind of the breakdown of what's happening in Texas right there with the TVS in terms of the playoffs coming up. And, uh, Mark, uh, if you're at the Hub, somehow you're inundated with uh, – Boston Renegade content. Wow, are they uh, are they prominent on TikTok and everything else? And they were at UConn, which really cool. That's right. This was a pretty big weekend for the Boston Renegades. They uh, got an invitation to visit UConn and uh, actually have a, a a practice session, a little mini camp at their football facility. And um, Mickey Grace was there, um, who we know she's. Um, on the coaching staff there at UConn. And, um, you know, this all happened just shortly after uh, the Renegades launched their new TikTok. So um, we're getting a lot of content. Uh, they brought on a, a new social media manager who's um, really turning up the volume. So, um, yeah, my Renegades are really looking good online. Yeah, no, they're uh, they're ready. I mean, uh, they're really, really good. And if you, you guys haven't followed them on TikTok, you guys can go follow on TikTok at Boston Renegades on TikTok. You can also follow them on IG, which we do, or you can go get information for tickets right now to the champs, bostonrenegadesfootball.org, bostonrenegadesfootball.org. So you get the information right there. If you are inclined to go to the go to the hub, you can get the uh, the information right there from Next Stop Revere. Right there, we shared that post, and it's got the uh, season tickets on sale right there as well. And then you got the highlights from the uh, TD at the UConn facility uh, as well 
Um, the other thing that happened uh, this week, Mark, in terms of international, we're all getting ready for the summer of girls' summer football, and that's going to be in the Euro scene, NWFL. We're going to be in Sweden, Finland. Uh, you get some highlights right there from Finland as well about the women's uh, scene here. And so we're, it's going to be pretty exciting uh, once uh, the w, WWCFL, which is in May. So in, in terms of the WFA and the WNFC kickoff in April, uh, international uh, competition kicks off in May, including the state of origin in Australia, Mark. That's going to be huge. That is a three-game matchup between New South Wales and Great Iron Queensland. Yeah, it's great to see that, you know, all the leagues are are back in action in Australia. It, it just seemed like such a long time where, you know, it was only the, um, you know, Gridiron West was the only uh, leagues operating. So, so this is great. This is a good way for everyone down under to, you know, start off the season with a bang. And, Mac, uh, gridiron, uh, uh, the gridiron clash state of origin usually happens in, like, rugby and in AFL-type matchups. And so because they couldn't have a full season in Queensland or New South Wales, uh, they're going to make it a national, national type of, uh, you know, state-by-state competition, which is the Sun Devils taking on the Coyotes. So that's going to be really interesting. Three-game series, May 6th, May 13th, and May 27th. I'm looking forward to the clash right there. Yeah, I'm excited. When I saw that out on the hub earlier, you know, uh, this week leading up to the pod, you know, because we went all weeks basically Tuesday to Tuesday. So when I read that and I seen that and we had talked about it earlier and I was like, okay, three-game series because, you know, one league couldn't have a full season. Like, I was super excited because I'm like, you're still going to get the same type of competitiveness. You're still going to get the same type of content as far as what we put out with that league and the classic itself puts out. So I'm excited overall to see who's going to bring it to the table, how it's going to be brought to the table, and just the overall excitement that, you know, we're, we're finally back in the swing of things. Women's football across the board is back. Football sports itself is across the board. There's so much going on. I'm just – I'm genuinely thrilled to see what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and maybe some upsets, maybe some, you know, overtime ties, maybe some just straight-out blowouts. We never know. But if you don't go to the hub and you're not following all of us on social media, you're not going to know. Yeah, everybody needs to go to the hub before Tuesday listening to us so they get the lowdown on everything that's happening in the sport. All right, let's uh, dive in, guys, into D3 because uh, we only got 20 minutes and we really need to dive into D3 here. So, um, let's see here. Uh, Mac, let's start with you. Uh, Iowa, kind of a front favorite from, uh, you know, the year ago. We don't, we don't have an Arizona outcast this, this year to, you know, for them to kind of like compete against, but the, uh, the Phoenix really in that mix in the middle, in the Midwest, um, uh, they're going to be pretty much taking on uh, lower quality competition, I guess, because there's a lot of new teams that are, uh, they're in D3, but, uh, Overall, Phoenix, CFX, uh, uh, Snow Leopards, uh, you got uh, Rocky Mountain, Thundercats, kind of their arrivals there as well. So it's an interesting season for Phoenix to see if they even stand out. I'm lo- listen, I'm going to tell you this. Most of y'all know my background when it comes to this sport. Y'all also know there's a little bit of a rivalry with my current team and the Iowa team. However, not casting aspersions, not any of that. I fully expect the Iowa Phoenix to take over D3. However, 
they are going to run into a couple issues with the snow leopards, and they're definitely going to run into some issues with the Lady Force. The Lady Force has been a team that has given them a struggle for the past couple of years, but they've still been able to come up on top. I know for a fact I was missing some players. Not going to get into that, but if you follow the team and you follow the sport, you know who's gone where and what's happened. Um, if the backseat coach is listening and is still on and the guru is still on, you both of you guys know exactly which two, three players I'm talking about that have joined <laughs> forces with another team. Yeah, I know y'all laughing. You know, I look, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible, but being a D2 player and speaking on a podcast that speaks about everything, I fully expect the Iowa Phoenix to take that division. It's not going to be easy by any means for them. It's, in fact, it might be a little hard, but they should take that division. The Snow Leopards, I'm pretty sure Iowa and the Snow Leopards and Iowa and the Lady Force, both all three of those teams, I think, have a home and away series with, like, everyone. Like, Iowa, home and away series with the Snow Leopards, back and forth, back and forth with, you know, um, the Lady Force. Being a dude, D2 player, and, well, being me, the salty one, as always, um, Mind I brought the pride in D2, we're going to come out on top. I don't care what nobody got to say. Our first game is against that the D3 powerhouse of the Iowa Phoenix in Nebraska. That game alone is going to tell the entire league what the Iowa Phoenix is about. I'm not giving those score predictions, none of that, but I'm going to tell you this. It's not going to be easy for anybody. I played for the Phoenix. I know how they coach. I, I, it's not going to be easy for anybody across the board. But – if you're specifically D3, like, related, and you have a, a you know, a, a leniency with the Iowa Phoenix, I'm taking the Iowa Phoenix for that D3 championship. Okay, so you got your point across. Iowa is uh, good in the Midwest. Uh, Mark, if we go to the Northeast, a couple new teams. We still have the knockout, who was disappointed from last year, getting shafted from the Masseys. And you got Connecticut Hawks. And then you got a, a return of the Maine and Mayhem, and you got New, New Hampshire Rebellion plus the North Connecticut Nightmare. Uh, this could be a. Uh, there's a, the schedule says it where they're uh, you know they're playing each other uh, more than once. This could be a division to watch in the Northeast. Yeah, it could be. Um, it it would seem that um, the New York knockout, although um, you know I'm sure they were pretty chapped last year uh we know that they were pretty chap last year and um but i also think they took some of the criticism to heart um in terms of you know having a competitive schedule to help boost your ratings in the in the masses all right so this year unlike last year they only faced uh, division three teams last year but this year they're facing uh, the New York Wolves in the last week and just before that the Tri-State Warriors. So those are, um, you know, two Division Two teams. And um, we all know how, how good the New York Wolves are, and we know that they can certainly uh, give a boost to the knockout heading into the playoffs. So, you know, I expect, you know, I expect the New York knockout to um, – have some element of satisfaction this year um, when they enter the playoffs. So that's my call for this division. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a good call because we're looking at either the standouts in, in this in this division. Standouts probably going to be New York, and we're looking at I don't know what Mayhem's going to look like, uh, but Connecticut Hawks, right? And so you know, it's the schedule. I think on week one, let me get the schedule here. Week one, we're looking at uh, Connecticut Harrisburg right off the bat uh, as a matchup there, and then you got North Connecticut against New, New uh, Hampshire Rebellion. Week one, so that'll be interesting in terms of how that division shuffles after week one. Who's zero and one? Who's who's one and zero? Right? That's going to tell the story about who's a strength of schedule there for in terms of better team. Um, that's Terry. If we go to the division to the southeast in division three, uh, kind of a mixed bag of new teams and then some old favorites. So M- M- Music City's in the mix, Orlando, uh, Richmond, Black Widows, and then uh, East Tennessee Valkyrie. And then you add in the brand-new teams, uh, the Cougars, the Bayonets, the Rayleigh Express, and the Virginia Panthers. So kind of interesting to see how that's going to shuffle out too. Yeah. Um, based on, like, a first glance for me, um, I'd have to go with Music City Misfits and or- or Orlando Anarchy as the favorites in that division uh, just based on history. But we know that, um, you know, there's a new WNFC team in Tennessee – uh, and they have recruited some athletes, and I think some of them are from the Misfits. So we're going to see how much that affects the Misfits as far as what kind of what kind of ball they can play. Um, but I'm interested to see it because, like you said, it's, it's a lot of new teams. So I'm hoping that one of these new teams can compete right away. Uh, but that's easier said than done. So I would I would give the early nod to um, Orlando and Music City until one of these new teams shows us they they can play. Um, Mark, is Daytona D2? Am I confused? Or is it still D3? I see Daytona um, on there. Unless I'm looking at the wrong schedule. I, I believe Daytona uh, dropped down to the developmental um, league. So oh, okay. Daytona will be playing four games, and they won't be, so they won't be competing for a championship. So the Orlando that's why they're not on. does not count? Is that, is that how that's going to work? Well, it's I mean, it is what it is. It's a Division Three team against the <laughs> developmental team. Yeah. Okay. So does it count? <laughs> sure. It counts in the win or the loss column. Does it count in Massey? Uh, you know, probably not for very much. Yeah. Okay. So I was kind of confused there because I was looking at that. I'm like, okay, I can't find them anywhere else. So, uh, all right. So I guess Orlando gets a, a week one bye. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A 1-0 win. <laughs> Man, rough. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, well, maybe Daytona is listening to us, and they go, "Hey, if, you know, we're, we're going to take care of Orlando." <laughs> maybe they're they're not so developmental after all, <laughs> so they'll take care of Orlando. <laughs> that would not be good for Orlando, by the way, if it comes in the standing. Well, I mean, um, sure. <laughs> in their defense, they've existed for longer than most of the teams here in Division Three. I'll put it that way. We got a For lot true. of new teams here in Division Three, so they're kind of the more experienced squad. No, I mean they got a strong history. I mean they've been in existence for, I, you would say eons, <laughs> if you wanted to put it that way. They've been in existence yeah, for a long time. Yeah, women tackle football time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. but you know, I guess yes, numbers are a problem, so that's why they're in developmental now. Yeah, um, Mark. Uh, I mean, uh, Mark Terry. Uh, you got Cincinnati swing there. You got Virginia swing. So right off the bat, you get Richmond Black Widows taking on the, the brand-new uh, Virginia, Virginia Panthers, uh, and mm-hmm. then 
So that's a class of like, you know, in-state class. So that's going to be nice week one. Then uh, week two in this division, uh, what do I got here? Week two in East, uh, East Tennessee versus Mississippi. Or, I mean, uh, Music City, not Mississippi. Uh, so East mm. Tennessee versus Music City in week two. So that that's the one that I kind of checked off and penciled in as well. And then week three, it is a Music City against Cincinnati. So right off the bat, uh, the Misfits are going to be tested in their right there in their own little backyard. Yeah, like you said, in the first three weeks, they can establish themselves as front runners in this division if they're able to put put some wins together. So um, uh, I'm anxious to see how that goes. But um, you know, if you if, if you like, I was saying in recent memory, Orlando and Music City have had more success than anybody else on this list, and part of that's because a lot of this is new teams. But if you go further back, I'm not sure how many years back. Maybe it's five or close to, closer to ten. Um, Richmond Black Widows were a very good team, also. And so, depending on you know, from year to year, you have turnover with coaches and players and all that stuff. And so, if Richmond Black Widows are able, to, you know, be back to their old form, um, they could easily beat everybody on the schedule. So, or you know, in, in the in the division. So, so it, it remains to be seen, but. Um, We'll see how that – I think Music City is interesting because out of all these teams, they have the schedule that they can kind of sort things out early to see where they stand. And so that's going to be interesting to see if some of these new teams can knock them off and it's going to be kind of a crapshoot to see who takes the division or if um, history is going to repeat itself and Orlando or Music City will take it. Mark, uh, is, if you're Rocky, Mount, uh, Rocky Mountain uh, Thundercats, why would you not be placed in – the Midwest division. Why would you be forced to put in the Pacific? I don't understand that part. Yeah. I, I mean, and I mean, the Pacific has eight teams. It's huge division. Yeah. Whereas the Midwest only has four teams. Yeah. Um, I suppose if we look at their schedule, we might, we might just see a lot of West coast travel and maybe that's it. Um, um, yeah. They get, I, mean, they get I, New I don't Mexico really know. Week one. They get New Mexico week one, right? Uh, what else do they get? Uh, they get Utah, right? I mean, they get Wausauk is Utah, right? The Warriors? Yeah. Yes. Is that Utah? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the mountain range outside of, uh, Salt Lake City. So, so I don't understand how them, them two teams would not be added to the Midwest, right? To just make a fixed team bracket right there. Because Mm -hmm. the Gulf, the Monarchs are way down South. Zydeco is in New Orleans. Right, so mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it would it would be a real harsh travel <laughs> to go east uh, for those two teams. I guess that's probably like to your point. Yeah. It made more, it, it made more sense to travel to Oregon than to travel to New Orleans. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, the, the Thundercats are traveling to Iowa, which you know geographically yeah. makes sense. Um, but you know, that team is definitely not in the Pacific, so. Um, you know, I guess we'll just chalk it up to um, <laughs> got to put them somewhere. <laughs> what, did I, what did I say earlier? Winging it. We're winging it really well right now. That's, that was the earlier mark. That was... <laughs> that's right. We're just being honest here. We're being honest. Uh, and I'll be upfront with everybody that's listening. We don't, we don't normally dive into D3 until what? Week six and week seven, right? Because of the situation that is, we we have no clue on what all these teams are made of right now. 
We have no clue as to who's going to stand out. We have no clue as, in terms of rosters, right? We haven't dove. Mm-hmm. We don't have the time to dive into a D3 format because we dive into D1 and D2 more more uh, exclusively. So that's not like right. an insulting on D3, but but we we don't get paid, right, Terry? We don't get paid to do that much research. Uh, so we will do the research in week eight when the picture is clear and Massey gives us more of a feedback, right, to break things strategically down. And we can comment well, that is, earlier right. than that. Yeah, so, that is yeah. correct. We are volunteers. Um, yeah, we don't get paid. We don't, even, yeah. get, we don't even get coffee for free. No, we get <laughs> the only, uh, clear water with your own water bottle. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, Oscar, is since I used to coach a team in Denver, well, I do coach a team in Denver, but the other other team in Denver, um, I know how that feels geographically to be in a situation, Mm -hmm. especially in the WFA. So the only lenience I would give to Rocky Rocky Mountain Thundercats is, unfortunately for us, there's just not a lot of teams by us, right? So, like, there's the Bandits and the Blaze in Denver. There's the the Cats in the Springs. We just played them in a preseason game. Shout out to them on Saturday. Um, but then outside of that, I mean, you're driving at least eight hours to the next yep. team. Um, you know, Kansas City is about eight hours away. Utah is about eight hours away. Um, and then, you know, Las Cruces is even further. So we're just not close to a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of tough for scheduling. And so it's just not ideal, but it is what it is. So we apologize for the disclaimer that we just made, but at the same time, we will be mm-hmm. focusing on D3 in terms of week seven and week eight. So we do promise yeah. that, right, Mark? We will break yeah. down week seven yeah. and week eight as the Masseys give us the feedback and gives us an actual clear picture of who's front running. Uh, we will definitely make it an important point to to make it, you know, a, a strategy show for that. So uh, there we are. So we clarified that. So uh, if you're... Uh, <laughs> In the Division Three Pacific, uh, bless your heart, because as uh, Terry just said, you are going to be traveling a lot. <laughs> You're going to be yeah. traveling a lot, a lot of naps and a lot yeah. of gas. That's mm-hmm. going to happen. So out of this division, Mark, uh, let's just say this, uh, Rocky Mountain may be the favorite here. Uh, Wausau comes off the, you know, the previous league as a competitive team, so we don't know what they're going to be about. Uh, Capital Pioneers kind of disappointed, but they were very ex- very exciting last year, even though in the playoffs they weren't that great. So we got about uh, two minutes, and give us your take on that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Capital Pioneers have, have shown over you know, the last couple of years that they're you know capable of winning football games um, during the regular season. You know, they seem to have, you know, they've got their stuff together. Um, but I, I think you're right. It might be the year of Thundercat um, in in the in the Pacific. Now there are a lot of new teams or you know two year old teams here in this division. You know you, you mentioned uh, the Wasatch Warriors. We've got the Central Valley Chaos. Uh, new Mexico Benitas are new team. California Crush was around last year. Don't know much about them. Oregon Cougars new. Um, so that's a lot of like a lot of new teams and this is partly why we you know we don't talk about division three early because teams are so new but there's no way we can know them or you know be be able to even talk about them very much so right. so, so there's that but um, no, no yeah, I mean, look, right 
And it's, so it looks yeah. like, you know, the pioneers, we just go with what we know. We know the pioneers and we know the Thundercats. So mm-hmm. we're kind of expecting those teams to excel. But, you know, from weeks one to six, you know, these new teams can, you know, prove a point and get on mm-hmm. radar, you know. So we're talking about them in week seven and eight. And I think that's going to be interesting because Massey's will either be very, uh, very forgiving to certain teams, and we'll see if any of those stand out in terms of those. So there, there's your D3 breakdown uh, predictions as well about who's going to be front runners. But we will revisit D3 in terms of week eight, week seven, and that depending on the, how the structure is going. And we will use the Masseys to give our, our final thoughts on it as well. So thanks to Elizabeth uh, Dillo Jenkins for coming in, the WNFC president, giving us a lowdown on what's going to happen in the 2023 season. Thanks to Russ Crawford the author of Women's American Football, Breaking Bears on and off the gridiron. You can get his copy at 35 bucks. You can get it on Amazon as well. And then uh, the matchups here for the uh, European scene, you can get it right there at the hub. So uh, Terry and Mark, a uh, pretty good show, I guess. Uh, we had some interesting guests in the first hour and then breaking down D3 here as best as we can. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, um, great show. Yeah, the only thing I would add, uh, Oscar, before we take off is since the Denver Bandits played the Rocky Mountain Thundercats in the preseason game on Saturday, I have an educated <laughs> opinion about that team since I just watched them play. And so I would say that their defense is pretty pretty good. Um, I was impressed by their defense. And so their offense needs some work. But, you know, if you have a great defense, I can take you a long way. And so I think that's why we can say with confidence that they'll be um, – a good team in D3 this year because you know, they do have a pretty good defense. And so I just wanted to add that before we get off. No, and, and I, we agree. I think me and Mark agree as well because they're, if you look at on, if you just look at it at first glance, that would be the team mm-hmm. that we probably circle, right? First, first circle. And then like, like he says, capital pioneer second. So, uh, yeah. so looking forward to D3, how it unravels within week six, you know, up to week six, and then we'll kind of more so appreciate everybody coming in today. Don't forget to subscribe on our podcast. Give us a cool five-star review. If you love listening to Terry, Mark, the Salty One, Nate, uh, the Hall of Famer, and myself, so check it out. Check us out on Sprecher, on iHeart, Apple, as well as on Spotify. So appreciate everybody's uh, love. Check us out. It takes us to 10,000 on Facebook, so go follow us on Facebook and like our Facebook as well at The Hub. So for the uh, Back to Coach, Coach Terry Lister and the rest of our staff, we'll see you next week for 440 as we head to the big 450. That's going to be real soon. So check us out on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. Have a great night, everybody.